If you got your Bible, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 4. We are in this series called Fast Forward. In fact, we're, we're ending this series today. We've been looking at this idea through the month of January of accelerating into God's best in the new year, that we don't want to stumble into God's best. We don't want to uh, meander into God's best. We, we want to speed up into God's very best. And so we looked week one at Daniel in the lion's den, at this example of this man that we were going to do this 21-day fast after his example. And what can we learn about God's best and, and how to prepare for God's best through his example? Then the last couple of weeks, we've used things out of our Daniel fast reading plan. We've read through the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And so uh, we, we looked in Luke, I believe, chapter 5 at the story of this man who was paralyzed and his four friends bring him to Jesus and they break open the roof so that they can get him to Jesus. And what can we learn from that? about God's best. And then last week we looked in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Uh, we, we saw as Paul and uh, Silas are in Caesarea Philippi, this first city in Macedonia where the gospel is taken. And, and they're preaching and they're impacting lives and they're setting people free from demonic oppression. And in the midst of that, they get thrown in prison. And they worship in the prison and God opens the prison. He sends this earthquake to set them free. And what that could teach us about what we call the praise accelerator, that praise, that worship actually helps us accelerate into God's best. And we're going to walk that out a little bit tonight. Uh, but today I want to wrap this series up by looking at a, another aspect, another thing that I believe God's calling us to accelerate in that's going to help us to step into his best. And so in keeping with this theme of acceleration, I've titled today's message, Generosity, God's Gasoline. Generosity, God's Gasoline. That we can pour some gasoline on this fire of, of our hearts uh, and, and cause it to, to continue to, to blaze. That we can put some gas in our spiritual car and cause us to be able to accelerate into God's best. Very few things consistently and overwhelmingly bring about God's favor, his provision, and his best, like generosity. Uh, we can look story after story in scripture and we find generosity in the cause of what God does or in the effect of what God does. Just in our reading plan over the last few weeks as you've been reading, we read in, in Luke Chapter 9, this famous story of the feeding of the 5,000, right, where Jesus takes this one meal and uses it to feed probably 12,000 people. All they counted was the men. There was a whole lot more people there than just that. Jesus feeds this massive amount of people with, with one lunch. Well, where did that one lunch come from? From one kid who was willing to sacrifice and say, you know what, I brought this for me, but Jesus, if you can use it for somebody else, you're welcome to it. And so Jesus takes what this one kid brings and, and he breaks it and he uses it to impact so many lives. You see, so often we can look at the need in our city. We can look at the need in our world and say, man, what can I even do to touch that? God doesn't need us to have enough to meet all the needs out here. He just needs us to be willing to use what we have. And he can multiply it. He can use it in great ways. So we see this great miracle that comes as a, that's caused by this one kid's faith. Then, then as we fast forward through the book of Luke, in chapter 19, we run into this, this famous guy called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. The wee little man was he, right, that we sang about when we were kids. This, this short man who was a tax collector, who, who lied, who deceived, who robbed people, who built and amassed this great wealth because of his greed. 
Uh, and Jesus comes into his life, and he meets Jesus, and he's impacted by Jesus. And as Jesus is leaving, Zacchaeus makes this decision. He makes this declaration. He says, hey, anybody who I've t- stolen from, I'm going to give them their money back. But he doesn't just say, I want to give them their money back. He says, I'm going to give it back four times what I stole. I mean, that's generosity, isn't it? See, he, he, he's generous as a result of meeting Jesus. So if we've met Jesus, there's going to be generosity as a result. And if we come to Jesus, if, if we're honest with Jesus, if we, if we have faith in Jesus, we're going to bring our generosity, and then he can use it and use it to touch people, just as he did in the feeding of the 5,000. So it's all through Scripture. Um, if you with us today, I want you to open to Acts chapter 4 if you haven't gotten there already. Time and time again, we see generosity fueling the expansion of God's kingdom. And as his kingdom expands, as his kingdom welcomes new members, we continue to see generosity as a byproduct. So in Acts chapter 4, there's this fam- very famous passage. The, the, the early church is just starting. We're just uh, a few weeks probably after the day of Pentecost where God pours out his Holy Spirit and his, his disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter preaches this incredible message in Acts chapter 2 and 3,000 people come to Jesus in one day. 3,000 people are baptized in one day. Right now, I think we have four people signed up to get baptized next week, and that's awesome. That's a celebration, and I'm excited, but can you imagine being part of a day where 3,000 people got baptized? What an amazing day. What an incredible experience. Well, this has just happened, and so the early church is just forming, and God's doing something special, and Acts chapter 4 gives us a, a clue as part of the framework that fuels all the things that God does in this mighty work throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. Unity service next week, right? Or not next week, two weeks from now. They were one. He says, No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, we're going to talk about this, and we're, we're not calling you. Let me just go ahead and tell you. We're not asking you to go home and put your house up for sale. We're not asking you to go home and put your land up for sale and then bring it next week and put it at Tim and Kim's feet. We're not, that's not what we're doing. Uh, we'll, 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 that, that's not it. So just take that fear away. Um, but let's think through this story real quick. This is some irrational generosity, isn't it? Uh, man, when, when you take what you have and you give it all away, That's pretty irrational. That's giving that doesn't make sense. You see, there's some generous people in in this room. In fact, I say all of us probably think of ourselves as generous on some level. But most of us operate at the level of rational generosity. We operate at the level where where we look at what we have and how much we can afford to give, and we give that rationally. And, And praise God for rational generosity. God uses rational generosity. But the place where God wants his people at is the place of irrational generosity. It's the place where his spirit can speak to us and lead us to give anything at any time. And we see that here in the book of Acts. Now, here's what I would say. This is not normative. Uh, th- this is not the standard. Like some people read Acts chapter 4 and they're like, man, we need to bring it, build a Christian commune and, and share all of our stuff. And we need to be just like they were in Acts chapter 4. And the problem with that is we don't see this enacted in any of the other churches in the New Testament. 
This is something very unique that God was doing in the church of Jerusalem. You know, sometimes God does unique things in unique churches. You know, sometimes God has a season where he does something very unique in a church. And this was a unique thing he did in Jerusalem. We don't see this in the church at Philippi. We, we don't see this in the church of the Thessalonians. We don't see this in the church at Corinth. We don't see this anywhere else in Scripture. It's a very unique thing that he did in Jerusalem. And let me tell you my theory why. Uh, you see, here in Jerusalem, the, they don't know it, but God knows there's about to be a great persecution that's going to break out. And all these apostles, all of these early Christians are going to be scattered. And the Holy Spirit actually allows and probably even causes this because he knows that the gospel has to get out. And so all these people are going to leave Jerusalem very soon, and they're going to take Jesus with them wherever they go to all of these neighboring cities and countries and nations. They're taking Jesus with them. And so God knows this is going to happen, and when it happens, it happens quickly. Many of them are going to leave just in the middle of the night. They're, they're going to rush out in fear for their lives. And so he knew those homes, those pieces of land were going to be abandoned. They, they weren't going to be able to put that thing up for sale and wait for it to sell and then go on the road. They were going to have to split. And so I believe God's spirit moved on them, and, and they didn't know why. They didn't know the reason, but he had them start liquidating their assets so they could be ready to move in an instant. Chances are that's not going to be the thing that he does in City Church over the next few months. Chances are he, he's not going to move all of us out in a, in a sudden rush as a mass persecution breaks out. So the takeaway from this is not go sell your hand, house, go sell your land, give, bring everything you have, put it up here next week when Tim and Kim are prayer partners, and then we'll figure out what to do with it. The takeaway is this. Hold everything you have with an open hand. And when God's spirit comes upon you, when his spirit speaks to you, when he calls you to irrational generosity, when he calls you to give a beyond what makes sense, beyond what you are able, be willing and ready to, to obey. Be willing and ready to, to take that step. This is the principle that we can apply. There's a, a church called Life Church in Oklahoma City that I look up to a lot. They got a pastor named Craig Rochelle that maybe you're familiar with. Um, but Pastor Craig and his team, years ago, God's Spirit laid on their, their heart this idea to develop a Bible app. How many of you have the Version Bible app on your phone? Show of hands. Uh, yeah, just about half of us in this service, about half of us in first service. If you don't have it, I highly recommend it. It's a great way to get the Bible, multiple different um, translations, <coughs> great reading plans, all kind of stuff, conveniently right here. Everywhere I go, I have the Word of God with me. Uh, it's so easy to access. Well, they had this vision years ago, and they developed this app. They put a lot of money into it to bring in developers, to, to get the technology, to purchase the rights to the Bible, etc. And as they were getting ready to launch this, they were going to charge for it. I believe, if I'm correct, they were going to charge $1.99. Uh, now, $1.99 isn't much. I don't know how many people would have still paid the $1.99. But, but as of 2018, since they launched the Uversion app, they've had 355 million downloads. That's more than all the people in the United States, by the way. But obviously, this is global. 355 million downloads. How many would they have had if they'd have charged $1.99? I don't know, but I bet it's less than a 355 million. In fact, I would guess it's probably less than 100 million. Probably still a lot of people would have spent that money, but I guess a lot of people probably wouldn't. And so because of, and here's what actually happened. They were about to charge for it, and they have this core value called irrational generosity. And, and Pastor Craig said, you know what, we can't charge. If we're going to be the church of irrational generosity, if we're going to be the church that sacrifices every time God calls us to sacrifice, we, how can we charge for this? And they would have been very justified to charge for it. It cost them probably millions of dollars since they launched it. 
in, in maintenance and the different people they've had to pay to run this thing and all the stuff they've had to do. But they said, you know what? People can be blessed by it, and we're going to trust God that if we'll be generous, that God's going to take care of us, that God's going to meet our needs, that God's going to continue to supply. And so they stepped out in faith. Now imagine this, 355 people walking around with the Bible in their pocket because one church stepped out in irrational generosity because somebody trusted God irrationally. How many of those 355 million people have used the app? Probably most have been encouraged at some point in time. Maybe they, they were able to read the Bible at lunch one day at work when they wouldn't have had it. Maybe they were able to, to, to read it while they're on the bus or the subway on their way to work. Or, or, or the, at some point in time where they, they had access to the word of God they wouldn't have had otherwise because it was put right here. 355 million people. Now out of that 355 million people, how many have actually come to Jesus because they had a Bible on their phone? Or because they had a coworker or a friend who had the Bible on their phone who said, come on, let me show you what the Bible says right here. And the Holy Spirit used that moment to bring them to Christ. Now, it's probably not 355 million people. In fact, I know it's not 355 million people that have come to Jesus because of the app. But I'll bet you anything, it's more than zero. I'll bet you anything, there are people in the family of God right now because Life Church Oklahoma City said, we're gonna act in irrational generosity. We're going to give when it doesn't make sense. We're going to sacrifice so that people can have access to the word of God. You see, generosity is God's gasoline. It accelerates the building of God's kingdom. It accelerates people's access to Jesus. Here at City Church, uh, we believe that, that generosity and stewardship are, are, are linked, that they're cousins, that they're, they're, they're completely linked together. In fact, if you take all the Bible says about money, which is a lot, by the way. Uh, if you take all the biblical verses about finances, you can pile them up in two piles, the generosity pile and the stewardship pile. And if you're like me, I grew up in a very spirit-filled church, in a very generous church. I, I knew about generosity from the beginning, man. I was a tither from, my, my parents taught me to tithe when I had my $2 allowance when I was three years old. Like I've tithed literally my whole life. I've always known about generosity. I didn't know about stewardship. <laughs> my stewardship was bad. I, I was, man, if I went back and could have a conversation with 19-year-old Troy, uh, I would knock him upside the head because I was a very, very bad steward of what God gave me for a long time. And thankfully over the last decade or so, I've, I've been able to learn some things about stewardship. God's been able to teach me some of that stuff and add it too. But, but we, we can't divorce one from the other. They, they both work together. Where we're called to irrational generosity and we're called to, to dedication to stewardship. So in the stewardship context, our church and a lot of churches use this concept of, of these three T's. That God's called us to stewardship in primarily in three areas, in our time, our talent, and our treasure. How many guys have heard those three words before? And I mean, you've all heard those three words. Uh, but in relation to stewardship, right? That God's given us time. He's given us the, the life that we have to live, however long that is on earth. And he's called us to steward it well. He's given us talent. He's given us giftings and abilities and spiritual gifts and natural gifts. He's placed those in us, and he's called us to use them for his glory. And he's given us treasure, our finance, our material wealth, our material goods. To, and he wants us to use those well for his glory. So we're called to steward those things. In other words, they're not really ours. We just manage them. We, he, he's given us the ability to manage this stuff. It's really his. But he's given it to us to manage. And so in that stewardship, part of stewardship is, is walking in generosity in those three areas. So let, let's think about time for just a minute. We don't know how long we have to live, right? Some of us may live in, in, to be 100. Uh, some of us may, may pass away long before that. We don't know how long we have to live. But the average for an American is to live 
somewhere between 65 and 75. Uh, 65 is going to put you at a little over 25,000 days on earth. 75 is going to put you just shy of 30,000 days on earth. But you're going to have somewhere probably in that window. We don't know exactly how many, but you're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30,000 days, probably. Maybe less, maybe more. Thing is, we don't all get the same amount of days, do we? Man, if, if we were God, don't we have like this feeling that, man, everything should be fair? Everybody should get the same amount of time. Everybody should have the same. God doesn't set things up to be fair, does he? He gives some people more time than he gives others. So the answer is not how much can, can I do for God based on how much time somebody else has. The calling is I'm called to be generous with my time, with the time that he's given me. I don't know how many days that is, so I've just got to embrace today. I've got this day. I'm here right now. So I've got to embrace today. You see, we can get caught up in looking backwards. Maybe if we're older and maybe we didn't live for God very long, we can look back with a lot of regrets. And we can, man, I should have done this and I should have done that. And I'm only 38. Maybe that's not only to you, but it's only to me uh, at this point in my life. It didn't used to be only, but it's only now. Uh, I'm only 38, but man, I look back sometime with regrets. I look back and say, man, I wish I could do this. I just talked about it with money, right? I wish I could go back and not get that credit card. I wish I could go back and, and not make that dumb decision but I can't. But you know what I can do? I can waste a lot of time wishing I could go back. See, God hasn't called me to sit here and regret and look back at all the things I could have done wrong. He said, here's the day that you have. Seize it. Take advantage of it. Use this day for my glory. Use this day to be generous, to bless somebody. Use the time that you have today in some kind of a way. So so we're called to be generous with our time. That's point number one. In fact, Psalm 139 puts it this way. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's where we believe that, that life begins at conception, right? He says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And then listen to this, verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I don't know how many days I have on earth. But before I was ever born, before David and Marilyn Souden ever met one another, or actually it wasn't Marilyn Souden at that time, it was Marilyn Fisher, before my mom ever got on my dad's bus carrying the 45-pound Bible and led him to Jesus, like before any of that stuff ever happened, God knew how many days I had. Before your parents ever knew each other, before they ever decided they wanted to start a family or accidentally, whether you were a mistake or you were planned or whatever your situation was, whether you know your parents or you were given up for adoption, God knew your days before you were ever conceived. Before you were ever formed, he knew how many days you would have. We don't know, but he does. And all we can do is be faithful with the days that he's given us. How are you at being generous with your time? How selfish are you with your time? See, this is one of the areas that that I've discovered I'm more selfish than I want to admit. Uh, that, That when I get off work, right, like I want to feel like, hey, this is my time. This is me. Like, well, I do all this stuff for other people, but this is my time. And the reality is none of it's my time. It's all his time that he's given to me, and he's asked me to steward, and he asked me to use it well. For me, this thing can be a challenge, turning this thing off, right? Like I'm I'm young enough. If you're you're much older than me, then hopefully you haven't gotten hooked on this thing yet, although my parents are on Facebook all the time, so you might be stuck. I don't know. Uh, But but hopefully you've learned to, to, to turn this thing off and to engage the people around you. But I can have trouble with that, man. I can forget about that. And God's given me these amazing kids and this, this incredible family, this beautiful wife. And I can get caught up in focusing on the stupid things I want to look at on the phone. 
right? Like, that's so silly and so basic, and yet I think a lot of us in here, if we're honest, would say, hey, I can be guilty of that, right? He's called us to be generous with our time. I think that starts at home, but it doesn't just start, just include home. It includes in being generous with our neighbors. How many of us even know our neighbors' names? How many of us even know who lives across the street or, or in the house next door? Man, if the, we don't really know if, <laughs> I just saw Bryce do, eh, right? Like, like if you're an eh, then man, maybe God's calling you to some generosity in 2019 with the people who live near you. Maybe that starts with just a conversation, just, hey, what's going on? This is my name. I know growing up, we used to do that all the time. When somebody moved in, we were the first people over there to welcome them to the neighborhood, and it seems like that's kind of died. Uh, but you know what? I think that God's calling us to generosity with our time. He's also calling us to generosity with our time with, with his kingdom. Uh, we got amazing people who serve this church, who show up early, who come in throughout the week to clean, to make stuff happen, to, to serve our kids, to serve our teenagers, to do all kinds of stuff. Many of you are, are being generous with your time today and making a meal or making something for tonight, and you're awesome if you're doing that. Thank you so much. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, God's called us to be generous with our time. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, just two chapters later, we discover this story. If you've been reading through in our Daniel Fast reading plan, you saw this. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, so the church is growing, the Hellenistic Jews, that's the Greek Jews, uh, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, that's the the Jew Jews, the Hebrew Jews, uh, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So, so what's happening here is one of the church's priorities from the very beginning was to take care of these widows, take care of people who couldn't help themselves. We're, we absolutely believe that, that one of the church's jobs is, is to help people who can't help themselves to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, to be there for those who, who, who can't take care of themselves. So they were being generous towards these widows, and they were taking care of them with food was, was the specific way. And those who were Jewish by, by nationality, by ethnicity, they were get, taking priority. They, they were getting the, the lion's share. And those who were not Jewish, those who were of Greek descent, they were being overlooked. They were getting less. And so the Greek Jews, they speak up, and they say, hey, this isn't right. And, and according to the, if you read the, the story and what happens, they were right. Like, they, they, they were legitimately being overlooked, and this was a legitimate problem that needed to be solved. And so very early on in the church, we see the first division among racial lines. Acts chapter 6, can you believe that? The church has been around for like a few months, and already the church is starting to splinter among racial lines. And the Holy Spirit leads the leadership to say, no, we got to address this, and we got to fix this right now. We're not going to let the church be segregated. We're not going to let this split into us against them, or we're, we're one, and we got to make sure this is taken care of. So, so they appoint people, they delegate seven people, and say, hey, you're going to be in charge of making sure that this gets taken care of. And so not only is this the first racial division in the church. This is the first serving in the church. This is the first time in church history where we see an opportunity that steps up beyond the apostles are preaching and they're teaching and they're leading services and they're opening up the word. But beyond that, this is the first time where somebody gets to do something behind the scenes. Uh, We're called to be generous with our time in building God's family and building God's kingdom and and serving in his church. And we see this very, very early on. if you're here today and you're part of a, a ministry team, maybe God's going to call you this year to step up and, and, and increase your commitment to that team. Maybe you serve once a week or once a month. 
And God's going to say, you know what, I want you to do it twice a month. Maybe God's going to say, hey, I want you to add another ministry team to, to your role, to your responsibility. So you serve once a month in this area. Maybe he's going to say, hey, I want you to do this other one on, on another Sunday of the month. Um, maybe, maybe it's going to look different for you. Maybe you're here today and you don't serve at all. Uh, if you're part of our church family, if you've gone through membership, man, we need you. We've got opportunities for you to serve. If you haven't gone through yet, then we talked about discovery, man. Get signed up for discovery. Go through that process and, and, and to where you're ready to be able to start serving. But we've got incredible ministry areas. We've got people right now back with our kids, loving on our kids, praying for our kids, pouring into our kids. Uh, that, that's not seen very often. First service, we were actually back there. We went to the fellowship hall while the ambulance was in here taking care of Kathy. So I could actually point to the kids' classrooms. You could actually hear the kids learning while we were back there. Like, you could hear what they were doing and their energy and their fire. Uh, most of the time, we don't get to do that, right? Most of the time, we forget about them back there, and we, we have big church in here, right, or real church. Man, it's real church back there. Man, they need Jesus. They need to be loved on. They need to know somebody cares about them. As, uh, as a pastor, uh, I've always believed that. As a, as a father, it's changed my perspective on it for sure. It's taken my, my belief in that to a new level, man. What an incredible opportunity to serve in kids. You, you know our First Impressions team, Bobby, and, and the incredible team he has of hosts who are out there in the parking lot in the front door. Man, we all see them when they come in, but they don't just show up when it's time for service. They get here early. They prepare. They clean stuff. They straighten stuff. They put out seat drops and make sure that the, the seat backs are ready. They do all kinds of stuff behind the scenes to make sure that, man, we can be blessed when we come in. What an incredible opportunity it is to be on the, man, if, if you're in First Impressions, can I just say this to you real quick? A lot of times we forget what it's like to not go to church. A lot of times we forget what it's like to, to, to try a church for the first time. Man, going to a church for a first time can be scary, especially if you don't know anybody. It's one thing if you're coming with a friend. Like, it's still scary, but it's less scary because you have, like, that buffer zone, right? But if you're coming for, you found it online or you passed the building or whatever, and you're just coming to check it out, man, there, there's an anxiety I swear, like, there's a fear that a lot of us have walking in the doors of a church, even if you're outgoing. Uh, man, what is going to happen? What's it going to be like? And that's if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, do you know all the things that they have to push through to come into the doors of a church? Man, what if I'm going to be judged for the way that I look? What if I don't dress right? What are they going to think about my tattoos? What are they going to think about the fact that, that I'm this color, but I'm dating somebody of that color? How are they going to treat me? What are they going to do? Man, they, they, there can be so much fear for somebody to walk through the door of a church. And you just being out there and saying, oh, man, welcome to City Church. We're so glad you're here today. That may seem so insignificant, but that can be life-changing for a family. Just to break down that wall and let them breathe. Let them say, okay. Maybe it's going to be all right. It, it opens the door for them to be able to receive and worship and the message and everything else that we do. That, that if we didn't have that team, you may think, man, what I do is not significant. Man, can I tell you, you're wrong. What you do is so incredibly significant. Thank you for being generous with your time. Thank you for showing up early. Thank you for getting here for Bobby's meetings on time and, and praying over the day and being ready. Maybe I'm speaking faith for some of you, right? Maybe, maybe that, that's what you got to do, but man, it's worth it because that team is so impactful. Our media team sitting back there in sound booth, turn and look at them and make Rosemary and Rick feel awkward. Uh, that's right, Rosemary, eating it up, Right? We don't, we don't notice them back, back very, very often unless something goes wrong, right? Like something goes wrong. It's like, what's going on back there, right? They're like offensive linemen. We don't see them until they mess up. Uh, but, but man, you know what they're there for? 
They're there to reduce distractions so the rest of us can hear from God. They're there to make sure that the right words are on the screen so you can sing along and bring worship to him. They're there to make sure that the verse is up there so you can see what the word of God has to say. They're, they're there to make sure that, man, if something goes wrong with sound, it can be fixed quickly so that all of us don't start worrying about this buzz or this thing going on, but so we can hear what God is trying to say. It's not glamorous. It's not spectacular, right? Like, we've probably never had a standing ovation for the media team. You know what? Let's do that. Come on. Stand up. We're going to stand. Give it up for the media team. We didn't do that first service, but they're here both services, so they got one. So that's good enough, right? Like, this probably might be the only standing ovation they ever get. But you know what? It's impactful. It matters. The worship team, they, they stand up here. We all see them. We don't see the time that they get here in the morning. We don't see the time where they have to get up. We don't, we don't see the time they put in preparing and getting ready. But we see their gift and man, that's the one department we have where there's actually an audition process. It's the one where we have like a, a standard, right? Like we can't just, we'll let anybody serve in, me, in, in all of our other departments as long as you're willing to go through the training and comply, but we, we won't let me serve in the worship team. I just, I, there's, a, there's a bare minimum of talent that's required, and I don't have that bare minimum of talent. But thank God we got a lot of people to do. Thank God we have people who do. Because if we did let anybody up here, that would be distracting, right? If you had to listen to me sing, you'd find another church pretty quick. Uh, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't come in and hear Jesus, you'd just hear me, I promise. Because I'm loud and bad, and that's a bad combination. Uh, so, so thankfully they don't put me on a microphone for that part. It was on one time during worship, and that was a bad day. Uh, I was standing out there with the headset mic on. That was a terrible day. Uh, but, but that didn't happen too often, right? Uh, so thankfully it doesn't. But man, that worship team, they, they put so much effort in to bring us into God's praise. You don't see tonight all the practice that they have to go through to put together a nine-song set for us to come in tonight, for us to worship tonight. We're doing nine songs tonight, spoiler alert. Uh, be ready for that. Uh, so, so, so grateful for them. Then we, Wednesday nights, we have the 662. Another kind of forgotten, kind of hidden ministry. That's our youth ministry for 6th grade through 12th grade. It's one that I'm incredibly proud of. It's one that I get to serve in. So grateful for our teenagers. I'm so grateful for the next generation who's coming up, who's passionate to, to know God and, and, and to hear from God. But you know what? It doesn't just happen because of somebody who's up there preaching. There's somebody running a cafe for them to buy snacks. There's somebody doing check-in. More importantly than that, there, there's men and women who are building relationships with these students, who are getting into their lives, who are loving on them, who are praying for them. I mean, it's an incredible opportunity for us to make a difference. We're going to be unrolling and, and unveiling city groups soon. we got people who host city groups who say, you know what, I'd be willing to open up our home and somebody can come in for, for three months and use one, one night a, a week. I'll open up our living room, and they can come in and sit down and, and hear about God or whatever topic we're studying. we we got people who lead city groups who say, you know what, I'll give up that three months, and I'll, I'll teach a team, and we'll walk through something together on this topic. we got people who serve in all kinds of different areas. They give their time. They sacrifice their time. They're generous with their time. If you don't do that, man, you're missing out. It's an incredible, incredible thing. Secondly, we're called not just to be generous with our time. We're called to be generous with our talents. Acts 3, verse 6, very famously, Peter and, and John are going to the temple to worship. And they come to this temple called Beautiful, and there's this man there who's begging uh, he, he's been crippled for years. He's begging and he's just asking for money. And, and Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have silver or gold. I don't have any money. Uh, but, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. 
right? This incredible declaration. He says, I'll give you what I do have. Now, obviously, that's more than just like natural talent. That's, that's a spiritual gift. Uh, you're not healing anybody uh, who, who's crippled just with natural ability. That's only through the, word, the, the ability that God has given through the Holy Spirit inside of Peter could he do that. But time, talent, and treasures, if we, we look at talent, talent's more than just our physical talent. It's all the stuff that God's placed in us. All those abilities, all those giftings, all that stuff, whether it's something we were born with or something his spirit put in us, or it's a skill that we've developed. Uh, man, I'm so grateful for all the stuff that we've been able to do in this building since we've gotten here. We've got some craftsmen in this church. And man, if I was the one who had to make this stuff happen, this church would look terrible. Because uh, I have no craftsmanship. I am not gifted in that way whatsoever. But God gave us a Spencer, and God gave us a Shane, and God gave us a whole lot of other people who are gifted, who are talented. He gave us a Mark Mincy who's been busting it downstairs, making stuff happen. Man, God's given us people who are generous with their talent, who are generous with their abilities. So grateful for that. We've got to find a way to be generous with our talent. Are, are you? Are you generous with the thing that God's put in you? Not just with your time, but with that thing that you're good at. What's that thing that you're good at? Maybe it's, maybe it's cooking. I mean, we've got some bakers at City Church who, who find ways to, to bless people with that gift. That's, that's a great gift. Maybe your gift is something totally different. Maybe it's a writing gift. Maybe it's something that, that, that is totally unique to you. Find a way to use that talent for his glory, not just to, to have a job, not just to make income, but how can I use this to be a blessing to others? Number three, lastly, we're called to be generous with our treasure, with our treasure. This is the, the most common one, right? This is the one that we have this two-minute offering talk about every Sunday. So we, we get this, but I think it's important for us to take a little bit more time every once in a while to talk about it. We're called to be generous with our treasure. Second Corinthians chapter 8, we read verse 9 earlier, which, which tells us how Jesus who is rich, chose to become poor so that we could be rich. Well, before that, here, let me read the, the verses before that. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and listen to what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Why is that significant? Well, last week we read Acts chapter 16 about Paul and Silas in Philippi. Where's Philippi? Macedonia. We read the very beginnings, the very formation of the church in Macedonia. It was the very first church there, and it began to spread. So these churches that Paul's writing about decades later to the church in Corinth, he's talking about the fruit of him and Silas being there out on the streets, delivering this girl from the demon. He's talking about the fruit of, of God showing up in the middle of them being prison as they worship. This is all the stuff that grew from that. He said this about these people. He said, verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Often you see those words together. Overflowing joy and extreme poverty. Those seem like opposites, don't they? How do you have overflowing joy in the midst of extreme poverty? You, you know Jesus. That's the only way, right? Like, unless you know Jesus, there's going to be some discouragement there. But in the midst of extreme poverty, you can have overflowing joy because, man, I know I've got something better than, than silver and gold. I know I've got something better than wealth. I've got Jesus. So he said, in the midst of their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. What does giving beyond their ability mean? It means they were irrationally generous, right? When you're giving beyond your ability, that means you're giving that when it doesn't make sense. You're giving irrationally. Why? Because they knew God was going to take care of them because they knew that the, building the kingdom was worth it. 
He says, entirely on their own, verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier, made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And look at verse 7. We'll close this section with this. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I believe God is calling us, City Church, to excel in the grace of giving. I look around this church, and I see some people who excel in the grace of giving. There's some people in this room right now that if you had any idea the generosity that they have behind the scenes, if you had any idea the needs that they've met of various people in our church family and outside of our church family, you would stand and applaud. But they don't want that applause. They don't want that recognition, so I can't tell you who they are, and I can't tell you what they've done. But I can tell you this, we've got some people who excel in the grace of giving. But there's probably some of us in here that don't. There's probably some of us in here that that have settled for, for mediocre giving. There's probably some of us in here that have settled for saying, you know what, well, I give something, and that's enough. And man, I'm grateful if you give something. I'm grateful for anything you do. But I believe that God's calling us to irrational generosity. God's calling us to excel in the grace of giving, not just to be an okay giver, but to be an excellent giver. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about City Church as we get ready to close today. I want you to know what your church does, because a lot of times we don't talk about this, because I don't love bringing attention to it, but I think it's important that you guys know. You're getting giving statements that will go out in the mail this week. You'll get to see what all you gave in the past year, and I I want you to know part of what that's gone to. So this month, we'll we'll just break it down to January of 2019. This month, City Church has brought in between Sunday mornings and between the online giving uh, $16,092.97. We brought in $16,000, which is a little above normal at this point in the month. That's usually about what we bring in over a month, so we're a little bit ahead of schedule. (coughs) Out of that $16,000 that we've brought in, we've given away $7,797.32. Because of your generosity, we've been able to turn around and invest almost $7,800 back into people, into the kingdom. Now, that's also way above average. I wish I could say that we're, we're consistently giving almost 50% of what we bring in. We're, we're not at that place. Uh, we consistently give about 10 to 15% of what we bring in. But God laid it on my heart this year. We were giving our first offering to Jesus, and of course, that was our biggest offering of the month. So we did that, and we stepped out in faith, and we trusted God in that area. So we gave $4,600 or $4,700 to Global Missions through, through, through a number of different ways to make that happen. So $4,700 to Global Missions. Then this week was with uh, a pastor of a church that, that we love, that if I told you, you would all recognize, and many of you would know. Um, and they're in a difficult season. We've been in some difficult seasons financially. Um, and wasn't sure how they were going to make rent and wasn't sticking his hand out. It was just, it was honestly, it was a question that had come from another pastor who was at the meeting. Hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Well, here's where we're at. Um, And for some reason, which I think was a God reason, I actually had a check with me that day. I never carry checks with me. Um, And I felt like God said, you know what? You're going to pay their rent (laughs) next month. So if you don't know, by the way, we don't have to pay rent. (laughs) 
Uh, since we've moved into this building, we're here rent-free, and since about October of last year, we're not paying any more rent at our previous place. So we've had about five, six months completely rent-free. So I felt like God said, you know what, you're rent-free, but I want you to pay the rent. Uh, so I whipped out the check, and I wrote it, and I handed it to him. Um, and I don't say that for my glory at all, because that ain't my money. That's your money, and that's God's money. Um, that's your generosity that made that possible. I didn't have to call people up and say, hey, we got to take up a special offering to pay this rent. I, I didn't have to go to people and say, hey, we're, we're going to be raising money over the next few weeks to take care of the, our friends. We had the money in checking. I was able to write the check and hand it to them all, on the spot for them to not just get their, their rent paid, but now they can get ahead. Now they can save up what they were, the part that they had for their rent. They can save that towards next month and actually be ahead. Um, why do we do that? Not because you got a great pastor. Because here's my initial reaction, if I'm being super, super honest. God said, I want you to pay the rent. You know, the first thing I said, yes, God, let's pay for two months. No, I wish I said that. Uh, Here's what I said. I said, no, God, we already gave away one whole offering this month. We can't give away. Like, hit me back in August. Like, you know, let, let us catch back up a little bit. Let us get back ahead where we were. Like, come back to me later on. We'll help out. Not right now. That was my initial response. I'm I'm not standing up here as some spiritual giant who hears from God and just steps out in faith, right? Like I got the same fears and the same insecurities and the same selfishness and greed as as all of us. But God said, you're going to give and you're going to take care of their, their rent for next month. And so we wrote the check and we handed it over and they've already cashed it and they've already paid that rent. So there's somebody else in a situation not real unlike where we were two years ago, in a storefront church, struggling to make it, standing in faith and believing God that somehow we're going we're gonna to be able to hold on to this thing who's been blessed because of your generosity, City Church, because you honor God in the tithe, because you're irrationally generous even when it doesn't make sense. And I know you don't always see that, and you don't always get the credit. I always get the credit, right? I'm the one who got the hug. I'm the one who got the, oh, man, Pastor Troy, thank you so much. Like, I'm the one who gets the credit for that, but it's not my money. In fact, my, my wife taught me a long, many, many years ago. She told me something that, that's always affected the way that I look at money that comes into city church. She said, you know, for every $100 you spend, somebody had to earn 1000 That represents $1,000 worth of income for a family for you to spend 100 bucks. It radically changed the way that I look at the way we spend our money. So it, it put a weight on man, we're, we're not just going to throw money around. We're, we're going to be dedicated to stewardship. I told you I've not always been good at stewardship. Um, thankfully, before God put me in the leadership of this church, he, he took me through some stuff and taught me some things about stewardship. Um, and so just, just so you know some of our principles, we are committed to we are going to be a debt-free church. We, we are never going to step out and take debt. Um, now, maybe a mortgage, if there's property, like that's a little bit different, but we're, we're not going to step out. We're not going to have credit card debt. We're not going to be racking stuff up. We're not going to be taking out loans. Um, We're going to be debt-free. Now, I say we are going to be because we're not debt-free right now. Uh, We're down to about $26,000 in debt that we're paying off. Uh, At current schedule, we'll be paid off and out of debt by the end of 2019. Uh, We're paying about $2,000 a month on that debt, and we'll, we'll increase that just a little bit, hopefully, in Jesus' name, to be done by the end of this year, certainly by early in 2020, if not by the end of 2019. Um, we're going to be a debt-free church. Uh, we're going to be a, a church that stewards well. Why? Because I want us to be able to be irrationally generous. You can't be irrationally generous when you don't have margin, right? We, we, we got to have margin. 
We've got to have built-in margin where, man, when God says you need to meet this need. Now, those aren't the only needs we've met. If you start doing the math, you're going to be like, okay, well, that doesn't add up to the 7700 bucks we've given away. What else have we given? Well, we've got missionaries we support every month, that that money's going to them. Um, and, and then we've got to set aside benevolence budget. Where, where every month, man, when, when people have needs, we're able to meet those needs. So we've spent $400 for somebody inside the church. Uh, we were able to meet their need as well as a, a few hundred dollars for some people outside the church. Why? Because we believe by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. We, we believe that the city should be better because we're here. Uh, so because of your generosity, we've already given away almost $8,000 in 2019. Because we're going to be a rationally generous city church. We're going to lead the way in generosity. We're going to sacrifice, and we're going to trust God that as we're generous, he's going to bless us. Now, does that prevent us from, from doing some other things? Of course it does. There's always a, a cost, uh, an opportunity cost, right? Uh, but I would much rather stand before God and say we gave too much money away than we hired too much staff or we spent too much on our building or, or anything else. I would much rather be guilty of being too generous than not generous enough. And I believe every time that we're generous, God's going to bless us for it. God's going to take care of us for it. God's going to reward us for it. Do we want to hire staff? Yes. Is that something you can be praying about? Yes. Is that a place we want to get to? Yes. I don't want to be a one-man show. I don't want to do this thing by myself. I'm not called to do this thing by myself. Uh, but we're going to be irrationally generous. We're going to continue to trust God, and we're going to, we're going to follow that example. So, so last thing I want to say is this, real quick. We're called to give in two ways. We're called to proportional giving and spontaneous giving. Proportional giving is spontaneous giving. Proportional giving is that percentage that's set aside ahead of time. It's planned, it's prepared, it's dedicated. I know ahead of time I'm giving this much money away next month. Uh, for, for us, we have a specific amount that we tithe. Uh, God increases our tithe every year. Uh, we, we, started the, we made that decision back in 2012. We were given 10%. We've been, we gave more in 2012. We've been giving a little bit more every year. Now, some, of those, some years that goes up like half a percent. We're, we're, again, I'm not this spiritual giant. We're not giving 90% away. Like, we're, we're in the low 20s, uh, like, like 21 and a half. Uh, but but we, every year, we give a little bit more because we want to see God move in our life a little bit more. I, I want to I trust God more in 2019 than I trusted him in 2018. I want to trust him more in 2020 then I trust them in 2019. So we're constantly stretching our faith that way. So proportional giving. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to give 21%, um, but all of us need to give a proportion. Where we've planned, you know what? 10% is set aside. That first 10% is going to him. That, that's honoring him in the tithe. For many of you, maybe God's moving you beyond that. Um, when, it, when, at first, when he first speaks that way, can I say it's irrational generosity? <laughs> when we, we went from 10 to 15 was our first jump. That was an irrational jump. That was, I don't even know how this is gonna work jump. But God moved in that, uh, and he's provided, he's been faithful, he continues to be faithful each and every year that we take that step. Uh, so for proportional giving, then he also calls us to spontaneous giving. Spontaneous giving is that responsive giving, that unplanned, one-time or short-term giving where we see a need, we see an opportunity, and, and we meet it. Uh, and so the way that we do that uh, is we have a giving budget that's separate from our tithe in our budget. So we have a line, like here's how much, we already have pre-dedicated to be able to give. So when God moves on us, hey, you need to pay for these people's meal at this restaurant. Hey, there, here's this opportunity over here. Here's this thing. Like, we've got that ability to just step in. It's naturally there. Now, sometimes God calls us to give above that, and that's the irrational giving, and that's where, okay, it's not in the budget, but God, you're going to provide. God, will find something else we can sacrifice. Um, so, so I encourage you, man, evaluate. It's the beginning of the year. Giving statements are going out. Look, look at your giving. Did, where are you at? Are you where you want to be? Is God calling you to, to a higher proportion? Is God calling you to, to greater spontaneity? Um, 
We want to be irrational givers, not just a city church. Uh, yes, at City Church, it's the storehouse. Yes, it's the first place I believe that the tithe belongs. But I believe God wants us to be generous even outside these walls. God wants us to be generous. Let, let me just say this real quick. We should be the best tippers in DeSoto County City Church. Uh, like, if you've ever worked in food, you know that people who go to church, like Sunday afternoon is the worst time to be a waiter. It's, it's, it's literally, it's got the worst reputation. Anybody who's ever been a server knows, I do not want to work Sunday after the church crowd gets there. Because very stereotypically, Christians are, are the stingiest tippers. That's not okay. We got to do better than that, church. We are called to irrational generosity. Even if that person didn't do the best job, even if it doesn't make sense, well, how come it's 20% now and it was 10% when I was a kid, whatever. Like, the, God's reputation is on the line. They see you pray over your meal. They know that that's the church crowd. Um, we, we need, man, they, servers should be fighting to work Sunday after church. They should be fighting to get to take care of God's people. That should be the, the greatest opportunity on the calendar is, man, I can't wait till City Church gets out of church because I know they're going to take care of me. That's a rational generosity. That's, a ra- that's generosity that builds Jesus up. That's generosity that points the world and says, you know what? We, we believe what we're saying. We're actually practicing what we're preaching. That's where God's calling us to church. So look at yourself, man. Look, look at your time, your talent, your treasure. All of us have strengths, all of us have weaknesses. All of us have something that maybe it's easy. It's easy for me to give my time. It's easy for me to give my talent. It's easy for me to give my treasure. I, I've talked to other pastors, and we don't have this person in the city church, and I'm so glad, but I talk to other pastors, and they'll be like, yeah, I got this person, he's my biggest giver, but he tells me, I'm gonna write the checks, but I'm not doing anything else. And I'm like, man, I don't want that person in the city church. Like, they can keep their money. I'm grateful we got people who, who, who are willing to do it all, to, to sacrifice our time, our talent, and our treasure. None none of us is so good in one thing that we can just rest on that. God's calling us to be generous in all of them. So look into your life, man. Is there one of them that you need to step up this year? Is there one of them you need to increase? Sign up at the Connection Center to get involved, to to get in discovery. Look at your giving. Figure out where it's at. We're not doing an offering after this. We're not coming back for a second offering. So now that I've emotionally fired you up to give, we're going to send it around. I'm not trying to, to, to manipulate anybody into giving. I'm trying to point to the Word of God. What does his word have to say? What is he calling us to? He's calling us to a place of irrational generosity. Would you pray with me, church? Father God, I thank you so, so much for a generous church. God, I thank you so, so much for the honor of sending 4,700 extra dollars to World Missions this month. God, for the honor of writing a check for our friends who are in need, God, so that they can have that pressure off and they know that you're taking care of them, God. I thank you for giving us that opportunity. I thank you for faithful givers who made that possible, God. I pray that you bless each and every one of them in an incredible way. I thank you for teams who show up early, who give their time and their talent so that we can do this thing called church together, God. I thank you for the way people use their gifts in your body. And so, Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us that you would speak to us today, God, that we would not settle for what we've simply done in the past, that we would not settle for for the minimum, God, but that you would call us to your very best, that we'd be irrationally generous with our time, irrationally generous with our talent, and rationally generous with our treasure. God, that whatever you've given us, Lord, that we would be so faithful to give it away, that you would see that and say, I gotta keep giving you more because I know you're gonna be faithful. I know they're going to be generous with it. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, I pray that you just use each and every one of us in our time, our talent, our treasure for your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.